Katrina Botel from the Communications Department at the European Council on Foreign Relations. And with me are Dr. Solana, who is former EU High Representative for the Common Foreign and Security Policy, Nick Whitney, Senior Policy Fellow at ECFR, and Hilmar Linnenkamp, who is advisor at the German Institute for International Security Affairs. We will be speaking about um, a report all three of you were involved in, which is called More Union and European Defence. In the report you mention that the time has come for a European Defence Union. What should this union look like? Well, I wouldn't myself place too much emphasis on the exact phrase there. Um, I mean, another union that's much discussed at the moment is the Energy Union, which effectively means people making sensible cooperative arrangements around Europe for um, uh, the sharing and uh, safeguarding of energy supplies and putting Europeans collectively in a better and stronger position to, well, deal with Russia for one and ensure energy supplies in the future. So in the same way, I mean, I think the idea of a defence union is fundamentally not a, it's not a, I want to disabuse any suggestion that it's some sort of Brussels plot to uh, you know, create a European army. It's about Europeans integrating their defence efforts and quite possibly their armed forces to a, a much better extent so that as we all face these, these economic pressures, which are um, a fact of life across the continent at the moment, um, we can nonetheless, hopefully by spending our defence money better, um, get more capacity out of it not least to um, to keep the Americans engaged because they you know we've been getting some fairly tough messaging from across the Atlantic particularly focused on two percent but not not exclusively as Samantha Power made clear it's not just money you know they want Europeans to share more of the burden and we naturally have looked back across the Atlantic to them in uh, as, the, as the aggression from mr. Putin has increased um, and they say fine but you know well, she needs to be balanced in an alliance, and we, we all need to do our stuff. Um, so this report is basically about trying to provide suggestions of particular ways in which Europeans could cooperate more together and produce more defence output. Do you believe that the cooperation with the US should be stronger, EU and US, in terms of defence, or should the EU become more independent, in a way, in terms of their defence? I think for long it has been a goal in Europe to become less dependent on the United States uh, in many respects, in general foreign policy respects, but also in economic aspects of our transatlantic life. And for example, the TTIP negotiations are not meant to make these dependencies stronger, but rather to make a better market and a more effective market possible. So I do think indeed that to become less dependent on the United States is an objective for the European Union, also in the area of defense, but not to the effect that we would uh, sort of put the X on NATO. No, not at all. It should be a good process towards a better a more forceful contribution of the Europeans in NATO, but also a contribution of the Europeans to their own um, foreign policy and security policy goals. And Mr. Juncker, recently, he was talking about an EU army. What do you think of that? 
Well, I think the phrase has been uh, as an attribution which, uh, which is the word army, which uh, never has been said in the European Union because they, we have not, in our treaties, it's not possible not to contemplate that possibility. But I think he meant that the cooperation on security, the cooperation on defense, um, cooperation among the armed forces, among the industries also, is a must. And that's what we defend in a way, but uh, we, uh, we, don't, we should not take uh, the word army as uh, out of context. It's not uh, what he was, he, he, he tried to, to say is the same thing that we are saying. And in fact, we have been talking to him and, uh, and he supports very much the work that we are doing. Yes, I, I think it's a, it's a, the terminology, terminological point is, shouldn't distract us from the, from the, the essentiality of more cooperation. This is in many ways not a new song. I mean, the three, the three of us in previous lives have been have been singing it for a decade, for more than a decade. And I think the these are not complicated ideas to either formulate or advocate, which is that as each individual European country becomes relatively less and less strong on the global scene, less and less of a great power, less and less able by itself to play a, a highly influential international role. So it's fundamental that Europeans should come closer together and pool their efforts and resources, whether you're talking diplomatically or whether you're talking in terms of operations or whether you're talking in terms of the, the substructure of defence. And... Um, I, mean, I think the logic is, is very widely accepted, perhaps less in the UK than in other European countries, but, but nonetheless widely accepted. The trouble is that it's, there are all sorts of friction in the machine which gets in the way of doing it. And our, our hope with this report is that maybe you know, with, with Ukraine, with ISIS, maybe this is a moment when it's possible to, to shift the debate on, and well, not just the debate, but shift the, the actuality of how we do defence in Europe few steps forward towards greater cooperation, more integration. I would like to add one point on Juncker, because Juncker has always been an old European. And he certainly alluded to the idea of 1954, when a European army, a European defense union of sorts, was envisaged and didn't happen at that time because the sharing or pooling of sovereignties was too difficult in this first era of European uh, policies. But now there is more of a chance these days to understand that single European states are becoming less and less powerful as single states, but they need to pool their resources and even to pool their, what they would call their sovereignties. And that is only possible if you go forward on the way of cooperating more and doing things together and sharing capacities and pooling capabilities in military and security policy terms. How can that practically be achieved? Well, there are already a lot of examples of effective cooperation which are not new and do function quite well. If you look, for example, at the European Air Transport Command, in this command, a number of states 
in Europe put together some of their strategic transport capacities and put it under one command so that there can be an exchange of capacities according to the needs of the European defense policies and some operations. So there are a lot of examples of this kind already, not spectacular in the sense that they would be, they would be close to putting together a European army or components of a European army, but at least a number of corporations that save some money, that make the use of capacities more effective and uh, contribute to spending better together. Just ask Javier his view on, on Mr. Putin and to what extent what goes on in Mr. Putin's mind or in the Kremlin or amongst Mr. Putin and his associates is likely to be influenced by, by the demeanour of Europeans in, in the defence realm, I'm, whether it's operations or spending or... Well, I, I, I don't think that the, the situation in the eastern border of Europe... <coughs> It's going to be to be resolved by military means. There is no doubt that to have uh, the sentiment, to give the sentiment that uh, we are really, really, really ready to go and defend our principles uh, with the capacity, although we are not going to use it now. But I think it's a, it's a positive, uh, it's a positive thing. But uh, this is not a response to Mr. Putin's actions. It's a response to the global situation, which has uh, become more and more complicated all over in the south. And uh, yesterday we have another catastrophe in, in, in Tunisia, the country that we thought it would be the most stable. It had a tremendous uh, drama of, of killing people again. So all that is, 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 is the other side of the river, no? the Mediterranean being the river. And um, so we have to be prepared for that. Now, other thing that I would like to, to, to underline is that uh, the concept of security, the concept of internal and external, that distinction is, is, is every time is, is, is more fluid. It's something that uh, it may look external is internal, and something that may, be it may look internal is external, come from God. So all that uh, uh, forces us, recommend us uh, to, to, to rethink all these elements and, and uh, put them to work with the uh, capacities we have or try to adapt or to make better the, the, the capabilities that we have. And that is why I think that uh, this debate that we try to, to open and to reopen, it has been open for years, but to reopen and to put it on the table, to my mind, is very, very important. And uh, I think we, we are in sync with the people. Uh, all the polls in the last period of time, years, um, around 70% of the cities uh, at large in the whole the European Union do think that security, that defense, that uh, security particularly is, is something that could, should be shared by all the member states in a much deeper form. Thank you very much. Thank you. you can find out more about European defence and other information about foreign policy issues on our website at ecfr.eu.